Welcome to the Youth Ministry Test Pilot Podcast. This is our first episode. And really the, the heart and why this thing started was we're just going to interview influential youth ministry leaders. That's really it. I'm Jeremy. I'm the host. I'm the facilitator. I'm the dude that just is like, hey, I'm going to do this. So uh, my street name's Jay-Z. Uh, that's what I prefer you call me. So uh, we're just going to get right at to it. We got, I'm so excited about this ministry, ministry leader, uh, Zach Steiger. Did I say that right, Zach? Yep, that's right. I got it. I got it. Zach, I'm just so excited that he's here. He's the next gen pastor at Cross Point Church uh, in Nashville. It, it has five campuses. It's just exploded. Zach was kind of right there in 2010 in October, kind of right at the seams as just as he was starting it and building and growing it. And so I've just, I've been, I've gotten to know Zach over the last uh, six, seven months and I've just been so inspired and I've learned so much from him. So uh, Zach, thanks for taking some time to chat and how you doing today? Yeah, man, it's it's my privilege. I, I've been so thankful just in our conversations, Jeremy, for the way that you kind of get to lead student ministry from the front and just for the ways that you get to resource student ministry leaders everywhere. So it's been a lot of fun just to get to know you, and I'm honored to be on this today. Yeah, and the first, the first episode. So. The very first. I feel like this either sets a high bar for you or a low bar that everybody else can be better than. No, trust me. Like, I, you know, I, I get access to a lot of ministries, and so I was just kind of thinking through the list. List and and you were one of the guys I contacted right out of the gate just because uh, just the way you think you're sharp you're strategic uh, and you're in Nashville and everyone's asking about how, how do you have do this very innovative church ministry to a lot of unchurched folks and I felt like you were the perfect perfect fit for that so Zach why don't uh, why don't you tell us just about the context there at Cross Point yeah so I'm at Cross Point Church in Nashville Tennessee like you said. Uh, we as a church are about 13 years old, five campuses, hopefully six later this year. Uh, four of our campuses right now are kind of a traditional model of campus. And then our fifth campus or church is a Dream Center campus. So if, if you're familiar with the Dream Center model, that kind of has some distinctives to it that are a little bit different, but still some really neat ministry going on there. So I started here just over four years ago. As the student pastor at our Bellevue location, which was our second largest location at the time, and kind of started under the premise of, hey, we're a church who hasn't quite figured out student ministry yet. I think at the time, the church was about 2,500 people, three campuses, and they had 30 to 50 students just kind of gathering with some volunteers, but no real structure or systems or even experience in place for those students. So they kind of brought a couple of us in at the same time, myself at the Bellevue campus, another guy at our Nashville location and said, hey, will you kind of get this thing off the ground, get it going? So that that's kind of what we did for the last about four years. And then in August, I got to transition into the next generation's role, overseeing kids through students at all five of our locations. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We hear I hear that a lot, especially student pastors that are doing it so well. Then they're they're kind of like, all right, now we want you to lead this thing. You've built it, you've helped it, you've built it sustainable. Now now go do it for from uh, cradle to college. So that's that's rad. Now when you started back, uh, you you know, I, you said October two thousand ten, um, you 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 arrived there. They're in Nashville, you know, twenty five hundred people. Like, hey, they kind of pat you on the back. Hey, buddy, go get them. You know. Um, what were some of the top priorities that you focused on? What were the kind of the first things that you focused on 
um, as you kind of surveyed the landscape of what you wanted and envisioned the student ministry to be there at Crosspoint? You know, I think one of the biggest challenges for leaders who come into an organization or trying to survey the landscape. I was talking to a friend even just over lunch today, and he was talking about this philosophy of coming in and moving the piano. And you walk into somebody's house and you're like, hey, why is the piano there? Let's just move it over there. And he's like, you, you just can't walk into somebody's living room and say, hey, the piano shouldn't be there. You should move it there. He said, you just got to move it a little bit at a time. And I said, you know, I'd push back on that just a little bit. I said, because if you walk into somebody's house and you don't first ask, like, hey, why do you have a piano? Tell me the story of the piano. Who plays the piano? Like, hey, play something for me on the piano. Then, like, that earns you the right even to speak into where the piano goes in the living room, which I know is a little bit random of an analogy. But I think for me, when we first got to Nashville, so much of my just few months, first few months here was kind of learning the culture of our church. Sure, I had nine years of student ministry experience at that point, but it wasn't in Nashville. It wasn't as a, a part of Cross Point Church. And so if I had just walked in and said, guys, hey, I got this. Let me show you how to grow a student ministry to 204 years, whatever, to 600 across campuses in four years. I, it just wouldn't have been respectful of kind of the history. And yet there was this expectation of, hey, we're a growing church. We, we believe in the next generation. We're willing to fund it. Now go. And so just kind of that respect process of walking in, beginning to ask questions, understand culture. And then for me, my philosophy has always been this. You put great experiences, great leaders, and a church that believes in you all in one culture, like all in one community, and your student ministry is going to grow. I don't mean to be flippant about that, but like you could break either any of those things down in a student ministry that's not growing. Generally, there's a gap in one of those areas. And so for me, it was just looking at our location and saying, who are the best leaders that I can get on board who believe in investing in students? Great. Now, how do we create an incredible experience? For us, it was a midweek experience that like connects with kids who are far from Jesus. Literally, there are hundreds of incredible churches here in Nashville, Tennessee, hundreds. And so for, for us, we were looking at saying, you know, I don't want to just assemble or gather a group of church kids. I don't want to just become the church that steals church kids from other church kids because we put on a better church program. So in order to do that, we're going to have to try things and do things that have not, never been done in order to reach kids who haven't been reached yet for Jesus. And so that was kind of what we set out I guess over the, the first few months that we were here. Hmm, that's really cool. So it's, you want to identify the story, you respect kind of the legacy, what, what that culture and the context and people and places, who they are, you respect that. I love that. And then you just went after and invested at, in great leaders. Now, what were some of the things you looked at at leaders? Did you go look into the church or did you kind of start to look into other ministries or into your community as you kind of began to recruit or to kind of think about how do you kind of start investing in leaders? Yeah, I think that can always be a challenge when you're starting. And, and some of it's just understanding the context or the culture of the church that you're a part of. And fortunately for us here at Crosspoint, we just believe that in order to be a partner with us, you're serving in a ministry. And so there's not really even a question of whether or not you serve. It's kind of this idea of, hey, if you're partnering with us, you are serving. So where are you serving? Uh, one of the challenges I think for us at our Bellevue location was I had come from 
a, a context where it was one church, one location. So we had kind of a, an age range of people that made it easy for us to like recruit student ministry leaders who were that kind of 20 to 35 age range. You know, your college kids right out of college, young marrieds, the, the people that we think of in our mind when we want to build a student ministry. And it's not about like being segregated around ages, but it's just, it's natural for us. They're high energy. They're fun to be with. They're not all that far removed from the context of our students. Well, our Bellevue location is tons of families. And so all of a sudden, my my pool for volunteers were a lot of parents and even like older parents who no longer had teenagers. And so suddenly for me, it was this really kind of interesting dynamic where I was building a, a volunteer culture with people who were a lot older than I was, uh, but also a lot older than our students. And, and at first, I kind of fought that. I was like, man, where are all the young leaders? Why can't I find any young leaders to be a part of this? And a lot of them, you know, attend our Nashville campus. And so their volunteer culture on their student ministry looks a lot different, honestly, than the Bellevue location. But I, I pretty quickly just kind of gave up on that battle because it was like, these are the people who've raised their hand to say, hey, I want to be a part of making a difference in the next generation. So I just kind of linked arms with them and I was like, okay, let's do this then. And and over time, you see that age really doesn't matter. Kids just want to see and know that there's somebody who cares about them and is willing to be present and available for them. So you start start going, you're moving, doing great ministry, you know, really focusing on that midweek program. Uh, a question I get a lot um, is, is student ministries, when they feel like they kind of, they have so much great exposure in the beginning and they kind of fade out or they become stale. Um, what, cause you know, I look at just hearing you, your stories and seeing cross point, you know, you guys are still exploding. You're still expanding. H- how do you, or how did you, uh, kind of keep the momentum? How, d- how did you kind of keep it fresh? How did you keep it innovative um, to kind of keep it from week in to week out? It seems so exciting to say, hey, we're, you know, this is, you know, kingdom of God's here now. We're, we're kind of keep moving and, and moving forward on that. So so how did you keep the momentum in all this? Yeah, I think really we had two things working for us. One is we had the real privilege to be a part of a church community that didn't have a hundred years of tradition behind us. Now, I say that a little bit guarded. There's nothing wrong with that, but we could reinvent the wheel at any moment. Nobody was holding us to traditions that the church had been holding on to for 30 years. And so that just gave us a lot of freedom as a team to really dream without strings attached. And that can be really difficult and frustrating for a lot of leaders. Now, I will tell you the flip side of that. It's also exhausting from a leadership standpoint where you have no church tradition or culture. So if you're in a context where you're frustrated because you feel like, man, every time we try to take a left, they're always telling us, but we've always been going right. That's so frustrating. Know that the opposite side is equally exhausting where you're trying to constantly teach your church. Hey, I know we've never done summer camp before, but we're going to start it this year. And, and nobody comes because nobody has a context or experience with doing summer camp. And so um, some of those momentum pieces for us were a little bit easier because we could just we could change. We were a little bit uh, more nimble to go where we felt like uh, students were and how we could connect with them. Uh, the second thing for us was I think occasionally when momentum is building so fast, we forget to put the systems and the structures or some people kind of call it the block and tackle like all of the details in place that support the foundation of the momentum. And so you've got this momentum that's going, 
But honestly, momentum is short term if you don't block and tackle along the way. And so I think for us, we were fortunate to be able to put a lot of our systems in place. You know, it's great if you have 200 kids attend, brand new kids attend over the first three months. But if nobody follows up with them, if nobody's in a relationship with them, if nobody even knows they were there, that momentum's going to stall out. And so for us, it's just been this constant, like there's days where it's like, man, this cart's running so fast. I don't even know if I can catch it, but we're, we're just trying to backfill, I guess, our, our systems and our structure along the way to kind of make sure that we don't lose that momentum. Wow. I, I love that. I've never heard that, that block and tackle analogy, that, but that's so true, right? Like, and I would say like most student pastors, they want to be the quarterback or wide receiver scoring touchdowns. Yeah. And becoming that tackle pulling guard and maybe, you know, making a few hits so that running back or our small group leaders can make it down the field to score a touchdown. Like it's a shift in thinking, I think. And I love that. That's because it's, it's getting our hands dirty and building those systems, the structure, the policies to kind of help keep our ministries scalable and sustainable. Yeah. Nobody like is celebrating the hours you spend in the office writing like great policies for your small group leaders. We want to be the like the, the Hail Mary touchdown, the 200 kids who got saved at camp, kind of all those things. Uh, but if we're not careful, uh, we kind of lose some of that momentum out of that because we haven't done a due diligence, I guess, along the way to make sure all of our, our dots were connected. Oh, that's really good. All right. So Zach, uh, you're going to say, to say we have a group of student pastors right here. Okay. We got 10, 10 sitting right here. Okay. From all different contexts, all different traditions, backgrounds, experience, education. Okay. You have one thing to say to them. What is that one thing you're going to tell a student pastor? Man, I life ministry, church. I don't care. What are you telling them? I, I think, there's so many things that go in to being a student pastor. I think, I don't know, maybe this is just something that's been on my heart and it's probably a personal thing for me. So I think if I could just tell them one thing, it would be don't become the statistic of 18 months. Like you hear it talked about 12 to 18 months student pastors are in and they're out. And you look at the lives of students and, and I have been a part of some student ministries on like longer scales than that and watch guys come in and out. And I've always just been heartbroken by the students left behind. Now, I know, I know there's transitions that happen in churches. There's difficulty with leadership. There's budget transitions that make positions unavailable. I I know there's all sorts of reasons why there's promotions that guys get that move them on to other things. But I just wish that we as a, like, as a generation of student pastors could look at the investment that we're making in the lives of students, not as a stepping stone, but really as an invitation and a calling to, to do something amazing. And I think if we could triple that number, if we could double that number, if we could take 18 months and make it three years, if we could make it six, if we, we could raise up kind of a generation of leaders who say, no, I don't need to be a senior pastor to become a real pastor. What I'm doing right here, right now in this generation, raising up the future of the church is just as important. Um, I, I think that's what I would say, that like what you're doing really really, really matters. And it matters for the long term that what if you got to be the student pastor who actually sees like brothers and sisters of students go through their student ministry because you hung in there long enough. Ah, man, that's so good. And, you know, I, I see that firsthand too, just 
working with so many different types of churches and, you know, just shooting emails and, you know, the return address comes and, or the secretary is like, Oh, pastor Tim doesn't work here anymore. You know, it's like, Oh man, that was only seven months. And, but you're right. It is hard. I, I think student ministry is, is, it's a really difficult call, you know, <laughs> but the, the payoff and the impact is, is so huge. And, and that, you know, we cannot take that, that lightly. So that's, that's a good word. Well, and I think that's where, for me, the investment into those leaders matters more than anything. People would say to me, hey, you've been in student ministry for 13 years. How did you survive? And my response was, it wasn't about me. <laughs> I consistently like got to invest in leaders who were leading students. And I think the most exhausting thing is when you feel like this ship is riding on my back. And if, if I don't show up to every sporting event and if I don't talk to every parent and if I don't respond to every text message a student sends, then this thing is going to fall apart. And I just constantly say, no, like, actually, if you do all of that and you leave one day, it will fall apart. But if you raise up around you a team of leaders and you are like consistently saying to them, you are the leaders of this ministry, like you follow up with students, you call parents, you show up to sporting events. I, I think that's where we see a legacy that kind of continues on. That's the block and tackle. It is. So I, I'm going to use that the, where okay. it becomes so annoying. But I'll, I'll copyright it, all right? That's fine. If each time I, I just get five cents of royalty, I'm good on that. That's okay. Gosh, I'll, I'll give you seven. I'll give you seven sets. I probably stole it from somebody else, so I, I wouldn't sweat it. Pay you through PayPal. Uh, so, last question: uh, What what are you guys, What are you guys working on? What, what what's kind of the most thing you're like just excited about? Yeah, right now is a huge momentum time, like it is for churches kind of everywhere coming off of Easter. We've seen God do just some incredible things for our church in terms of this last season. Uh, our student ministry is in a bit of a transition right now. We've got a couple of open positions that we're in the hiring process on, and we're actually we're getting pretty close to getting guys. But I'm really excited about that because it's that's one of those changes that I think has the potential to bring great momentum. And I've been kind of talking to some guys about the fact that I really feel like the last four years for us as a student ministry has been laying a foundation for where God wants to take our student ministry. That, yeah, we've grown on an incredible scale. We've done some incredible events. We've got summer camp coming up this summer. We've got a big event just here in a few days coming up that we're hoping to see like hundreds of kids at. But at the same time, like I'm looking out towards the future and saying, God, like, what do you want to continue? Like, what's the foundation we've been laying for the past four years that you want us to look back in 10 years and say, huh, those first four years, like we were like little kids. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what God was going to do in the student ministry. So I could just name all sorts of exciting things. Hopefully going to launch a new campus in the next year. So student ministry there, um, just God's doing some incredible things here in Nashville. And we're really, really fortunate to get to be a part of it. Well, cool. Uh, Zach, how, how can, um, you know, some student pastors or leaders, you know, what, what are some easy, simple ways to connect or to, you know, if they had some questions, uh, how, how what would be the best way to reach out through Twitter or Facebook? What, what would you suggest? Yeah, you could totally reach out to me through Twitter, Zach Steiger, Z-A-C-H 
S-T-E-I-G-E-R, or just Zach at crosspoint.tv is my email, and I'd be happy to, to connect with it. I love these sorts of conversations. I love investing in people. I, I'm grateful for people over the years who are maybe a few steps ahead of me or few years ahead of me who were able to kind of look back and reach out a hand and just say, hey, can I help you along in this season? So I'm always happy to do that for leaders who are just in the trenches doing what they can to love on students. That's great. Well, Zach, like always, man, I'm always learning something new from you. So <laughs> this was this was helpful for me and put some good categories and just even, you know, affirmed like what I was kind of thinking and believing just what you guys did and, and just to hear the structure of the strategy and to keep and hearing that story is just so good. So thanks for out of your crazy, busy, hectic schedule. You're taking time for to, to chat with me and to be interviewed. I appreciate that, man. Well, not a problem. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for just the way you're investing and pouring back into student ministry leaders everywhere. Cool, man. Well, uh, we're going to be signing off here. Zach, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later.